Welcome to the Wild Wisdom Podcast with Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm Dr. Patricia. This podcast is for people who want to transform their health, restore their hormones, and reconnect to their body's natural wisdom. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia. I'm a Canadian medical doctor, published author, internationally recognized researcher, and passionate advocate for your health. Here, we'll explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and cutting-edge science, distilling the essence of true health into practical steps you can take. Wild wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day. Probiotics have been proven to work in multiple medical conditions in various studies, and you have to know how to use them properly in order to get the results that you want. Hi, and welcome to the Wild Wisdom Show. I'm Dr. Patricia Mills, a medical doctor with a root cause approach to health. And today we're going to be talking about how to use fermented probiotic foods and probiotic supplements for the purpose of gut health, recovery from antibiotics, and much more. And you'd be surprised, we're even going to cover things like depression and hormone balance, endometriosis. So stay tuned because you would be surprised at what probiotics can do for you. So what we're going to be covering today is uh, multiple topics. Like basically by the end of this, you're not going to have any questions left about probiotics. I hope to really touch on all of the questions, everything from can we have them on an empty stomach or can we have them with food? How long can I be on them? When can I expect to see results? And what do I do if I get side effects? So let's start off with the uh, just a very basic overview. What are probiotics and how do they work? So probiotics are basically microorganisms, and these are bacteria, they can be fungi, that are present within our gut. And they are also present, in this case, in foods, usually fermented foods, and supplements. And the way they work is that they support our gut health by influencing our gut microbiome. Now, if you've been following along with me, you might be familiar with what the gut microbiome is, but basically, and when we talk about gut health, we have to think about three aspects of your gut health. Number one is, how is your digestive power? How is your stomach acid, your uh, digestive enzymes doing? And then the second one is, how is the health of the lining of your gut? So can the gut lining absorb the nutrients that you want it to absorb and keep out the things we don't want to let into the body? And the third is the gut microbiome, and the gut microbiome is that diverse community of microorganisms living on the lining of your gut and helping maintain its various functions. If you want a deeper review, definitely go back to my previous episodes, and if you're watching this on YouTube, you want to go to my gut health playlist. You want to subscribe, which will give you access to the playlist, and check out those uh, videos. It's very important to understand that the gut microbiome is involved in various functions in your body and not just locally in your gut, you know, helping with your digestive power and nutrient absorption and digestion, but also impacts your brain health, your joint health, your hormone health. So this is very interesting. Now, the way that probiotics work, so when you eat a probiotic food or you take a probiotic supplement, these are the things that research has shown that they help within the gut. So they help improve the diversity of the microbiome in your gut, which we now know that just like any community, you want diversity. You don't want just one member of the community flourishing. Like, you know, in a community, you don't want just, you know, 
lawyers or just doctors, you you need your um, you know your janitors and you need to have the teachers and all those things. So you need diversity in your gut microbiome and probiotics help add to that diversity. They also help the probiotics, either in food or supplements, help fight the harmful bacteria and viruses and fungi and the toxins that they can create in your gut. They also help promote a faster recovery if you have an imbalance in your gut microbiome, for example, from taking antibiotics or taking antacid medications for heartburn. So we're going to get into that. They also have been proven to help reduce inflammation in your gut, which is crazy and very important because internal gut inflammation causes inflammation in other parts of your body. So anything we can do to reduce inflammation in the gut really helps your whole body health. The probiotics, whether in food or supplements, also help encourage the growth of the healthier or like the healthier aspect of your gut microbiome. So every gut microbiome will have some good guys and bad guys. And usually you want about 85% good guys, 15% bad guys maximum. And these probiotics seem to help influence the growth of the good guys. And what I find super fascinating is that some of these probiotics, uh, particularly in the supplements, have been shown to heal leaky gut. Now, if you're a medical professional and you're listening to this, you're going, I don't believe in leaky gut. The medical term for it is increased intestinal permeability or postprandial endotoxemia. Okay, so leaky gut is real in the sense that we are meant to allow some you know, nutrients in through the gut lining into the body. So our our gut is a little bit leaky, you know, most of the time, but it's when that gut becomes too leaky and you start to let in undigested food particles, toxins from the gut, the gut microbiome itself starts to move from the gut into our body, the good guys and the bad guys. So we don't want a leaky gut and the probiotics actually have been proven to help heal a leaky gut. And I'm going to be teaching you how to use food and supplements to achieve these effects. Now, if you're joining me live, please say hi and ask your questions, okay? Because that's a benefit of joining me live. And one way to join me live is through my private Facebook group for women, Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills. And I look forward to seeing you there if you do join. So let's go into probiotic foods. And generally speaking, these are fermented foods. And the fermented foods are fascinating because When we talk about fermented foods, we have to remember that they have been part of our evolution as humans for like, you know, many, many, many millennia. Like we've been eating fermented foods historically and every culture has its own, you know, unique fermented foods, uh, especially the more traditional cultures. So things like sauerkraut, which is like fermented cabbages, kimchi, fermented yogurts, kefir, and cheeses with active or live cultures, uh, fermented pickles, and then you have the fermented soybean products like tempeh, miso, natto, some tofu, and then there's kombucha. So those are all really extremely healthy uh, sources of probiotics. So they're that you, and you want to get them live, you know, so generally these are the sauerkrauts you find in your um, fridge, like the the fridge section of the store, not in the aisles where it's not it's not fri- it's it's not um, maintained in terms of you want these to be live cultures, right? Um, so you don't want it to be dead cultures, but you want them to be live cultures. So you're going to find these in the fresh foods department of your store. 
The other uh, place that you're going to find some great probiotics are farm fresh vegetables. So, you know, you pull your carrots out of the ground. Um, there's microbes, microorganisms clinging to that from the soil. You give that a gentle wash, there's still going to be some on that food. And that those kinds of organisms are, the, are healthy. And there are certain kind of probiotic that we're going to get into. And I'm just going to say hi to Eliana from Burlington and Rosemary from Etobicoke. Welcome. And I'm so glad that you're able to join us today. All right. So one thing I want to let you know about is that people hear, oh, great, yogurt. I'm going to go buy some yogurt. Well, uh, it depends on the kind of yogurt. So when you're looking at yogurt, you have to look at the ingredient list. And all you want to see is the dairy with the live cultures. And that's it. Maybe there's going to be some salt added or something like that. But usually it's just the fermented dairy and the live cultures. You do not want to see any added sugars or any added natural flavors, which are chemically, you know, um, they are flavors put in through chemical process that extract flavor from nature, but using chemicals to do that. And definitely don't want any added sugars. So you just want to clean yogurt and typically that's like a greek yogurt it could be full fat it could be low fat it really depends on what you're targeting there but the essence of it is that you want it to be a clean yogurt with live active bacterial cultures or uh, whatever active cultures they're using same thing with kombucha beware look at the ingredient list they're adding really strange food additives to kombucha these days again it should just be the tea maybe whatever fruit they're using to, to flavor it, um, the, the cultures, and taste the kombucha. If the kombucha is sweet, it's got excess sugar in it. And now you're drinking sugar, which is not good for your gut health. In fact, it's very counterproductive. Kombucha should be sour and it's medicinal. You know, it's not like you're going to be drinking this tall can of kombucha in one sitting, it's small cups of kombucha, right? So I find that the problem people do is they go into excess when they hear something is really healthy and then they overdo it. So really, it's, a, it's not something that you do in large amounts throughout the day. Water should still be your main beverage of choice, right? And then you add small amounts of these fermented foods and we're going to be talking about how much. And what's really fascinating is that Research is really catching up with ancient tradition and ancient wisdom. And this study here, if you're listening to this as a podcast, you might want to pop over to YouTube and check out my videos and see that I do put in the information for the studies that I use. Um, and this one is called Fermented Vegetables as a Potential Treatment for Irritable Bowel Syndrome. Now, irritable bowel syndrome can is basically when you have an issue with your bowel movements, either diarrhea, constipation, or both. And what it really means is that you do have some kind of problem with either your digestive health, your gut lining health, or your gut microbiome, and usually a combination of all three. And so when you start to um, heal the gut microbiome through the use of probiotic foods or supplements, it can help with irritable bowel syndrome. Um, so we're going to be getting into how you can do that, how you can incorporate that into your life. Now, in terms of probiotic supplements, those are usually found in capsules or powders or small little, you know, jugs if it's like the kind that is in some kind of milk product or coconut-based product. But it's a specific supplement where the microbes have been, um, um, you know, isolated and put into more medicinal doses, like higher doses than what you would typically find in fermented foods. 
And there are three kinds of probiotics, three different categories. And this is very fascinating to me, actually. So the first category is um, one strain of yeast called Saccharomyces boulardii. So it's a healthy yeast. And what I find fascinating about it is that when you when you um, ingest it through a supplement, it goes into your body, it pushes out the unhealthy candida yeast. So we all have candida yeast in our bodies, but the problem is when the candida starts to bloom and it starts to overtake the gut microbiome and it starts to grow into the gut in, in higher amounts, and that's not good. It can even spread into other parts of the, of the body, like candidiasis. And sometimes I would see that as a as a doctor at the hospital when people had been on long courses of antibiotics, they would start to get, you know, yeast infections like around their scalp and their hair, even around their eyebrows, down in the groin area. Yeast likes warm, moist places. So these, this is something that can happen for sure with uh, antibiotic use. However, what's cool about Saccharomyces boulardii is that it's also effective against parasites and bacteria. And was one of the supplements that can help with a leaky gut, which is really cool in research. So what we have to remember is that we can get excess candida with use of, for example, certain medications like antacid medications and the antibiotic use, like I mentioned, and excess sugar in the diet. And that can be like, you know, very obvious sugar, like table sugar, candies, pastries, sweets, but it can also be excess refined carbohydrates from very refined flour breads, gluten-free products have a lot of excess refined um, carbohydrates. Uh, Ultra-processed foods have a lot of sneaky sugars hiding out in them. Those yogurts with the added sugars, you know, it's it's basically in a lot of ultra-processed foods. So unfortunately, there are a lot of people who are having problems with excess candida, which can show up in many different ways in the body. It's a laundry list of things. So generally speaking, I, for one, have done a pre, uh, like a, a three-month course of um, Saccharomyces boulardii. I just took a capsule every day. Um, and it does take about two to three months for it to have a really good effect. And that's what how I used Saccharomyces boulardii in my life, just to kind of um, take down that excess candida. And the thing is, it's not harmful if you don't have excess candida, because the body just poops it out after about three days. So it goes into your gut, it does its work, and then it leaves. And if there's nothing there for it to work on, it just leaves. So it seems to be pretty safe, well tolerated. It's actually even been studied in children, which I'll get to, but it's been proven to help with um, traveler's diarrhea. So if you go to a different country and you get like a diarrhea and you, you either take Saccharomyces boulardii for it or you ideally even take it like before you're going and as you're going to help prevent it from happening. But it helps treat it if it happens. It also has been proven for acute diarrhea from like an acute infection. You don't have to be traveling to get that infection. So it's not just traveler's diarrhea, it's just an infection caused diarrhea. And also, it's been proven to work to treat antibiotic-associated diarrhea. So it's not uncommon for people to be on antibiotics and afterwards develop problems with their gut function, in, in usually in a diarrhea, could be constipation as well. So taking something like a Saccharomyces boulardii for about two to three months can be helpful for that. The acute diarrhea, um, they showed that is safe uh, even in babies in the neonatal ICU, but interestingly, in children aged five months to six years old as well. In this case, they used it for acute gut infection in these kids, and they gave it for five days. 
and they noticed significant improvement in these children. It was like it was like taking an antibiotic, but not an antibiotic. It was this probiotic. Now, longer courses are needed for adults usually. This was, you know, so the shorter five-day treatment was in the kids. Adults can be longer, anywhere from seven to ten days for an infection. Or if you want to do something like heal a leaky gut, that could be um, three months, for example. So this is research that has been published. Again, I'm, I just want to show you that this has been studied in children, and this is the study PubMed ID 36086703. It's a randomized direct comparison study of Saccharomyces boulardii for the treatment of acute gastroenteritis, gut infection in children. And this was a systematic review published on the use of Saccharomyces boulardii in adults. Okay, so this is very interesting. Again, if you're listening to me in a podcast, um, you want to come over to YouTube if you want to get the information for these studies. Now, the other research in, in Saccharomyces boulardii, which is really fascinating, is that it's a proven treatment for irritable bowel syndrome. C. difficile infection, which can be very hard to treat, very resistant to treatment, Crohn's disease, and ulcerative colitis. And what I find very fascinating is that they actually did a study comparing S. boulardii, which is a short way, instead of saying saccharomyces all the time, S. boulardii, for treatment of a parasite that can live in the gut called blastocystis hominis, it was as effective as an antibiotic treatment for this parasite. So this is very, very powerful stuff. You know, we're not just kind of joking around here. This stuff works. You can, you can use it as medicine. You know, basically it's been studied to be as powerful as medicine. And I want to say hi for Mushi as well for joining us today. Hi, Mushi. So good to see you here today. So let's talk about category two. That's the blend of um, multi-strains, like multiple different ki uh, kinds live in this. So we talk about one yeast in category one. Category two is any um, uh, organism belonging to the lactobacillus and bifidobacterium bacteria family. There's multiple, multiple strains. And this is the kind that you'd find in fermented food. So in your kefirs, in your sauerkrauts, in your kimchis, kombuchas, typically that's the um, category two, lactobacillus and bifidobacterium. Now, this category is the most researched of all, all the three categories. It has over 500 studies. So it's been very well researched and it's been proven to work. And this is kind of going to blow your mind here. Again, an irritable bowel syndrome, um, uh, inflammatory bowel disease like the Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, the antibiotic recovery, the leaky gut, just so cool. Also, H. pylori infections that cause ulcers, right, um, and heartburn. Depression. This has been studied and has been proven to um, improve remission of depression in people who have diagnosed depression. And one of the reasons be behind this, again, you'd have to watch the previous uh, show uh, that I did, um, the surprising whole body effects of the gut microbiome, which is the gut, the health of the gut microbiome supports your brain health and also can contribute when you have an unhealthy gut microbiome, it can contribute to states of depression and anxiousness and anxiety. So how fascinating is it that if the probiotics have been proven to help with depression, they also help with vaginal infections, urinary tract infections, and tooth infections like cavities. So this is the research where there's like pretty strong evidence for it. 
Now, the promising areas of research where there's like, you know, preliminary, like beginning evidence, I wouldn't call it strong evidence, but it's like, wow, this could actually work. Let's keep studying this is in brain fog, dementia and Alzheimer's. There is a gut brain connection, like I said. So how fascinating is that? Um, PCOS, so polycystic ovarian syndrome and endometriosis. Why? Because gut health is connected to hormone health, both, both physically, the gut is very close to the ovaries and gut inflammation can cause ovarian inflammation. We know that now, but also indirectly because the gut is a producer of hormones and influences the production of sex hormones from the ovaries and the testes. So this is important. It also is promising research in osteoporosis, seasonal allergies, asthma, type 1 and type 2 diabetes, multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, hypertension, high cholesterol, obesity, and insomnia. Now, why would probiotics help with these conditions? Well, as Hippocrates says, all diseases begin in the gut. The gut is the center of our body, both figuratively and literally. And so it's important to maintain your gut health and probiotics, either food or supplements can help with that. And there's very promising research for thyroid health and hormone balance. So the question more is who shouldn't be taking, (laughs) you know, probiotic foods or supplements. And we will get into, there are a few people who should not be taking this as a therapy. And for those of you who are familiar with SIBO or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, there has been research showing that it reduces bacterial overgrowth, it reduces gas production, so the bloating that you get in your belly, and improves abdominal pain. So it can help with belly bloating from SIBO, which is very fascinating. Now, what you need to know is that category one and category two, so the S. boulardii and the uh, lactobacillus bifidobacterium blends, the idea is that you take them, but they do not stay in you. Okay, they're, they're, The way that they work and interact with the gut microbiome is not that they stay within the body. They actually go in, make um, influence the way the gut microbiome works, and then they leave, like you poop it out. And they don't even have to be necessarily alive for them to work. It looks, it seems as though certain pieces of their body parts, the, you know, the cellular body parts of these bacteria and, and yeast is enough for the gut microbiome to be exposed to their body parts and pieces of their body parts. So even if it gets broken down by stomach acid, it still works, which is fascinating. So um, there's something about the, the parts of them or the holes of them, whether they, they do or don't survive the acidity of the stomach doesn't seem to matter. It goes in, it influences the gut microbiome, and then it leaves. Whereas category three actually does survive the acidity of the gut and stays in the body and can actually help to colonize your gut microbiome as in they stay there and then they become part of the community. And that's the category three spore-based probiotics. These are the microorganisms that you find in the soil. So that's in your farm fresh vegetables. And what's fascinating about this category is that it could help replace what we are missing because we are evolving to be humans that are not interacting very much with our environment uh, as much as we used to. And we're not really eating farm fresh vegetables as much as we used to. Some of us are, which is amazing, but many of us are not. So there's a theory that these um, spore based and they're called spore based because they form like a shell or a spore around them. And that's what helps them survive the acidity of the, of the stomach. 
And research, again, uh, not as much research done in this category, about 15 studies, you know, and as I say this now, there's probably already way more than that because the research on this is just booming. And it improves diarrhea, abdominal pain, bloating and stool consistency in irritable bowel syndrome uh, patients. It improves acute diarrhea, constipation, but not all constipation seems to be not responsive all the time. Constipation is interesting because it seems to be that some forms of constipation are due to an, um, an overgrowth of what's called archaea, which is not a bacteria, but it's a methogen producing, methane producing organism um, that is kind of is seems to be a bit more resistant to probiotics. So constipation is slightly harder to treat with uh, with um, probiotics. Um, but it does, these spore-based probiotics also have been shown to help with leaky gut, like heal a leaky gut. So when I say that, what I mean is that they're actually looking at the gut lining of the people taking it, and they're measuring markers like zonulin, all of these markers that, uh, that go up with leaky gut, and the, the lining of the gut heals, like the tight junctions get tight again, and the markers of, of gut lining damage go down. So this is really, really important uh, findings and very wonderful. Also, again, healing inflammation inside the gut helps with post-antibiotic negative events like the diarrhea or the gut dysfunction after antibiotics. That can happen. doesn't always happen, but it can happen. And also appears to decrease respiratory tract infections. That's interesting. A healthy gut microbiome influences all of the rest of your gut, of your microbiome, including the microbiome in the vagina and the urinary tract and the lungs on the skin. It's a community that interacts with, with one another. So that's very, very fascinating. Now, what we're going to get into next is who should not be taking probiotics, how to take them, for how long, can you have them with food or not, right? Should it be on an empty stomach? And what are potential side effects and what to do about them? If you're watching this live, I highly encourage you to start putting your questions now because there's a delay between you putting in your questions and me seeing them. And I don't want to miss answering your questions we're going to be wrapping up here in a little bit, okay? All right, so who should not take it? People who are critically ill or have a low immune system should not take it. Why? Because um, while these organisms can be helpful, if your immune system is very, very, very low, even they can start to overgrow. So that's people with AIDS or people on immune suppression medications for like um, organ transplants, for example, or if you're on... Um, you know, a very long-term uh, steroid medication, those things can increase the risk of you having problems. I did find one case study. So, I mean, this is very safe stuff when you think about it, but I did find one case study of a gentleman who is in his 70s, not in the best of health, had chronic lower back pain um, and was taking, you know, medications for the lower back pain like anti-inflammatories. And he was also taking probiotics and he ended up getting an infection in his lower back. So whatever was going into his gut started to go through his gut, which had probably become very leaky because of the anti-inflammatories that he was taking for pain. And then it got the, it like traveled through his body and got into his back. That's what the um, researchers were hypothesizing. And we think that's probably correct because the organism that grew in the back was a lactobacillus strain. Um, now that could come from your food as well, right? Not just the supplement. However, the point is that um, if you're very, very ill, you probably don't want to be messing around with this. You probably want to have a health professional working with you to guide you um, in terms of what's going on here. Okay. Um, and next, we're going to talk about how to take this. Should you take this as a food 
or should you take this as a supplement? And I do have a question here from Angelica, which I think is relevant and many people will probably wonder. Is there any way to determine if you have archaea overgrowth as far as testing and are other symptoms besides constipation? Now, that's a very great question. It is pretty tough, I'll say, to determine it. If the uh, archaea is overgrowing in your large intestine, like in your colon, it could be detectable on the stool culture, but it would probably have to be one of, more the, one of the more advanced stool cultures, and you'd have to specifically ask your health professional if the stool culture that they're using would detect archaea or not. If the archaea is growing in your small intestine, it's not necessarily going to get into your poop, and then it's going to be hard um, you know, to test that. One thing that can be done is what's called a breath test to look at, um, you know, you, you take in like a simple sugar, like a lactulose, and after a while you breathe it out and there's detectors to detect the amount of like methane, for example, that you're breathing out. And if you have a high amount of methane that you're breathing out, that's another indirect way. So you're not actually testing for the archaea, but you're testing for the methane production. And if the methane production is high, um, then that could potentially be a sign that you have archaea and that's a breath test. And that's typically a test that you would get um, if you're working with like a naturopathic doctor or a functional medicine doctor, that is not a typical conventional medicine uh, test. So then you're starting to get into the realm of working with those kinds of health professionals. So I hope you found that helpful, Angelica. So um, let's go into food versus supplement. Okay, so for category one, the Saccharomyces boulardii, you can't get it in food. Um, you have to have it in a supplement form. So it's been isolated. Um, there's no specific food that would reliably have Saccharomyces boulardii. Um, there, in the family of Saccharomyces, there's Saccharomyces cervegiae, which is what is used to make beer and that kind of stuff. But the research was actually done on the S. boulardii. So you'd have to have a supplement. And the supplement range of around 5 billion colony forming units seems to be sufficient in research. So it doesn't have to be like really, really high amounts. Um, so around 5 billion colony forming units, that's how they do like the measurements. So CFU, you're going to see 5 billion CFU would be enough, but even like a little bit below that or a little bit more than that would be fine. Category two, and the one I used was a, a 5 billion CFU, by the way, for S. Boulardi, and I will mention this at the end, but also I'll mention it now um, in the show notes on YouTube. I have put a link to my favorite probiotics in each category that are clean quality, because the thing with supplements is that I was blown away by the stuff that is being put into supplements that can be actually harmful for the gut health. Um, additives like uh, added sugars like maltodextrin or uh, food additives like silicon dioxide, which have been proven to harm the gut microbiome and gut health in humans. So I did the work. I went into Fullscript, which is an online platform that has thousands of supplements. And I found one good quality, well-priced supplement in each category, and I put them in a plan that you can access using the link in bio if you're in Canada and in the U.S. If you're not in Canada and in the U.S., don't worry, still go in, take a look, and use that as a guide for what you can find locally for yourself, okay? But look at those added non-medicinal ingredients. It should be pretty clean, like it should have very minimal to nothing there. Okay, so category, um, sorry, category two, so that's the lactobacillus and bifidobacterium blends. 
And most ranges, when they were doing this in research, this, the ranges that were studied was quite high. It would be anywhere from 10 million, 10 million to 1,800 billion CFU. So you can see it's a massive range. But every study, um, the, in, in each category that was, every medical condition, every category had at least one study that had the 10 billion CFU per day. So, you know, leaky gut, irritable bowel syndrome, um, inflammatory bowel disease. So it looks like if you hit 10 billion CFU per day, you're going to be pretty safe in terms of what you're, like the amount that you're getting is um, a dose that would probably work for that condition that you're interested in. So then the question is, can you get 10 billion CFU from food um, or do you need to use supplements? And I found this kind of fascinating. So when you, obviously, uh, when we're looking at food amounts, it varies on how it's made. But generally speaking, if you're looking at one cup of sauerkraut, yogurt, and kefir, it's about two to three billion CFU. So around two billion CFU or three billion CFU per cup. Now that's quite a bit. When I eat uh, fermented foods, I don't add a cup of fermented foods to each meal. That's a lot, right? So just to put that in perspective, you're probably putting like two or three tablespoons of fermented foods, maybe. Um, anyways, that's how that's how I've seen it used culturally and, and how I'm using it. So it's, you don't want to overdo probiotic foods either. Kimchi is fascinating because it's 23 billion CFU per cup. So that's insanely high amounts. So that seems to be a very good source of probiotics and food. I personally really don't like the taste of kimchi. I wish I did. And I'm going to keep working on it because um, I would like to develop a taste for it because it is a very healthy food. Um, per pickle, so there's fermented pickles. Um, and that seems to depend on how much salt is added when you when you pickle it. So, it, you know, as long as there's not too salty, there can be some fermentation. And that's about 1.3 billion CFU per pickle, okay, versus one capsule of, for example, the one that I put called the multi-strain in the full script plan, um, it has 11 billion CFU per capsule, right? So one capsule a day will give you what you need. Um, so if you're going to do a food first approach, you would need to have some kind of combination of the sauerkraut, yogurt, kefir, or the kimchi, or the pickles, uh, and maybe you use a supplement and, and you add those foods to your to your diet, you know, and then once you feel like your medical condition is improved, then you take away the supplement and you stick with the foods, for example, right? It can be a combination. It doesn't have to be either or, but what that study that looked at the fermented foods for irritable bowel syndrome said, what, the review of uh, that research, what they talked about was that the best approach is to do a variety of different kinds of probiotic foods in small amounts. So don't go massive on one, buy a variety, try them out, see how you do, and don't go from zero to hero. If you've never taken, if you've never eaten probiotic foods, um, just start with, with you know, a couple of different ones in very small amounts and slowly introduce it to your diet because we'll talk about the side effects, but it, you risk experiencing very sudden changes in your gut microbiome and that can cause uh, belly pain, blo uh, bloating, gas, you know, and that's because if you, uh, you know, if your gut microbiome isn't used to these organisms being in there, 
they're going to come in and they're going to start interacting with your gut microbiome or affecting how the gut, gut microbiome works. And it can cause massive change quickly if you're eating too much of it too fast. Same thing with the supplements, right? You want to start with one capsule, see how you do, um, you know, and slowly introduce it over time. Give your body time to adjust. Now, the interesting thing from category three foods is that you can get them either from the farm fresh vegetables. Again, like, you know, you pull your carrots and your cabbage and stuff out of the ground. You wash them with water, but you, you don't like wash them with soap or anything like that. Just give them a nice little tap water rinse. If they're coming from healthy soil, from a healthy farm that doesn't use pesticides and spray their soils with unwanted herbicides and other chemicals, then that would be a good source. Otherwise, that's not your source, right? And then the supplements will have something like 2 billion CFU. And again, on um, Fullscript, I, have a, I found a really good quality one um, that's super clean. It's basically just the spores and a little bit of what's called the prebiotic. A prebiotic, in case you're wondering, is the food that the probiotics eat. So it's usually fiber, okay? And then and like acacia fiber or psyllium fiber, fiber from your fruits and vegetables, that's what the gut microbiome likes to eat. So um, sometimes it can help to have a little bit of a prebiotic with your probiotic. But again, you want to start low dose and go slowly with these. Then the question can be, for how long? So for an acute infection, like a traveler's diarrhea, again, the study in children was for five days, you know, and be five to seven days, kind of like what, the duration you would take an antibiotic for. But for other medical conditions like the leaky gut, uh, the H. pylori, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, the depression, all those things, those studies are longer, usually around 12 weeks to six months. And it seems as though that the effect is usually started starting to be seen around two to three months. So you do not want to take probiotics and then give them up after five weeks because they haven't been working for you. It's a long-term game with them. It takes the changes to the gut microbiome can be immediate, but the the effects that you want to see uh, in your gut health and in your the rest of your body, that can take longer. And that's what the research is showing. So be consistent, be persistent. For example, with antibiotic prevention and recovery. So for me, if I'm going to be prescribed an antibiotic or if my children are going to be prescribed an antibiotic, the way I would do this is I would start taking the probiotic with the antibiotics, but just take them one hour apart so that the antibiotic doesn't cancel out the probiotic. So at least one hour apart. And then continue, I would continue taking the probiotics for at least three months after the antibiotic has been stopped. And that's what the research shows to be a great way to take probiotics. And I'll talk about which one to take, okay, to take probiotics for, um, for something like antibiotic recovery. Now, some of the side effects that you can see, as I mentioned before, is that some gas, some bloating, some abdominal pain, and that's local reactions in the gut. And because the gut health affects everything else in your body, you could see some brain fog, some skin rashes. Now, if the initial, you know, if it's, if it's just for a few days and then it goes away, great. That means that your gut microbiome got adjusted to it. It's now working with it. And maybe it's even healthier than before, right? However, if the, the side effects last for more than five to seven days, or if it's very, very severe, even for a short period of time, stop the, stop the probiotics, right? 
And uh, if you haven't already, work with a health professional like a functional medicine doctor, a naturopathic doctor who understands the science of the gut microbiome and can help you heal your gut and your gut microbiome so that in the future you can take probiotics. Usually a side effect to your probiotic is a sign that your gut microbiome is not in a very healthy state. Okay. Now it may be that your individual gut microbiome just will never do well with the with the brand that you bought. Um, so maybe switching brands could be helpful to, to try to play around with that and see if that helps. Um, but if you are intolerant to any kind of fermented food or probiotic, that can be a sign of an unhealthy gut microbiome. You could have developed what's called the histamine intolerance, um, which is an overreaction to histamine containing foods like fermented foods. That does require work with a health professional um, to kind of to help you get over that and get through that. Okay. Another common question is, can I use this long term, like beyond three to six months? And the answer is, we don't know. So uh, although probiotics can be really helpful for maintaining. So let me just backtrack for a second. In traditional cultures, people eat probiotics every day, right? They eat sauerkraut every day. They eat kimchi if that's their culture, um, kefirs, yogurts, you know. So it seems like in those small doses that the food affords, um, you can have it every day, right? But you have to pay attention. Um, sometimes things will happen in your life, like taking antibiotics where, you know, or developing some kind of issue with your gut health where for a period of time, you don't tolerate those foods even. So then you have to, again, work with someone to help you restore your gut health. In terms of probiotics, um, we don't know if taking it every single day for the rest of your life is good or not. There's some research to suggest that it may not be good. So what I do is I personally like to pulse my probiotics. Um, and so I got my gut health pretty good. Like I don't have any problems now with constipation or diarrhea or bloating. So now I get my um, spore-based category three probiotics from farm fresh foods. I'm very lucky to have access to that. I get my lactobacillus and bifidobacterium blend from uh, fermented foods. And then I take my Saccharomyces boulardii and I'll pulse it. So I'll take it, for example, one month on, one month off, or three months on, one month off, right? Do you know what I mean? I kind of start it and stop it. Do I have a protocol for that? No. It depends on what I'm eating, how I'm doing, how I'm feeling. Have I got, is it just after Christmas and I've just had a binge on, you know, lots of sugary kind of foods? I'll definitely bring in the Saccharomyces boulardii. I personally like to take that one on an empty stomach first thing in the morning. Um, so it's a great one to take. However, when I was recovering from um, having problems with my gut health, I did do what's called triple therapy. I took all three categories together. So the question is, do you do, do you take one at a time? Do you take two at a time? Do you take the three categories at the time? Um, the research is done usually on one category at a time. So the research is done on either Saccharomyces boulardii or the bifidobacterium lactobacillus blend or the, the spore-based probiotic. So me taking them all three at the same time wasn't based on research, but it was based on um, my understanding of how the gut microbiome best works, which is having access to all of these kinds of organisms, okay? Um, and clinical experience, right? Seeing other people respond well to this. Also, I follow um, some experts like Dr. Ruscio, R-U-S-C-I-O, and he talks a lot about his clinical experience using all three together. 
So um, again, this is that that triple therapy is not proven in research. However, when you think about the diversity and where those come from, so from the soil, from fermented foods, healthy pushing out unhealthy yeast with a healthy yeast, it all kind of makes sense. So it's more of a rational versus research um, decision on that one. And then the question is, with or without food? So personally, I like to take the Saccharomyces boulardii on an empty stomach first thing in the morning, one one capsule um, for maintenance, um, because it does uh, it can help eat simple sugars too. So I find that if you eat it with food, you can get a little bit bloated. Um, however, the other probiotics, it, the research shows it doesn't matter. So you can take it with food on an empty stomach after eating, doesn't seem to matter. So that's very helpful to know. So again, if you're curious about which ones that I am currently recommending, I keep that list up to date in my Fullscript account. You register for free, okay? And that allows you to go in and check out the probiotics I'm recommended. You do not have to buy from Fullscript. You can use it as a shopping list. Um, however, if you do buy from Fullscript, you do get a 10% off and I get a small commission. You get free shipping for orders over $150. It's a win-win scenario. So feel comfortable using it and not using it. It's totally up to you. So in terms of uh, what we've covered here today, it's important to understand that the role of probiotics in our health, in our gut health, whether you can get it from foods, foods first approach only, or whether you need some supplements to help with that. And then the difference between health maintenance versus treatment for a medical condition. So for health maintenance, I do think it is sufficient to do a foods first approach only where you are only eating fermented foods. However, when you're talking about a medical condition, it appears as though using supplements is useful and can be very powerful, especially when it comes to adding in things like the Saccharomyces boulardii and the spore-based um, probiotics, which are harder to get in our, in our diet. And in the case of S. boulardii, it's, you can't get it from the diet. And yet has been proven in research to have very powerful, powerful effects. So I hope you found this useful. If you did, please consider subscribing. Definitely share because sharing is caring. We need more people accessing this information in the world. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your evening, day or night, if you're catching this on replay. And I'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, Ushi. Bye, Rosemary. Bye, Eliana. Thank you for joining and saying hi. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, Wild Wisdom with Dr. Patricia Mills. If you like this podcast, please take the time to like and subscribe. And please feel free to leave any comments and look below for the contact information if you want to connect with me directly. Thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful day, evening or night. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info at drpatriciamills.com to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode. It is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health. <laughs>